Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? New year, new day. It's 2018. 18. No, it's 2017. We're lying. Wait, but it's, you're hearing this in 2018. You're, we recorded yeah. this. Uh, do you want to just get into the story now, or should we do the shout-outs first? Uh, so my car was broken into. Window shattered. Laptop two, bag two stolen. Two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago, and by that, we mean yesterday, because we're recording this ahead of time. Uh, and here's, uh, the brutal, here's the brutal, brutal, brutal truth of what happened. Alex and I are about to reveal to you our preview card for Rivals of Ixalan. Yep. Okay? It's really exciting. It's a blue-green card. Alex and I are going to be doing our top 10 blue-green cards. And we needed to record this because Alex is going to Hong Kong. So we recorded the episode. We did ahead our top 10 we, lists. Yeah. We recorded the show. Uh, ben punched me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys missed the funny part where I hit myself in the face with the headphones on accident. You did. That uh, was great. And then Alex took the sound card with him to go edit, and his my computer laptop. got and... stolen out of his car with the card in it. So the burglar can break the news. It's, it's possible that he'll they'll break. Yeah. By the, the time news. this episode comes out, it's possible that this burglar will have leaked the card. Leaked the card. But if they did. Let's hunt them down because they stole my wa- yes. a lot of things, that, including my passport. Ugh. I spent the last 24 hours so brutal expediting a passport since I'm going to Hong Kong in four days. The actual worst. Uh, yep. So, yeah, that's what's going on. That's today's episode. That's, uh, that's everything. Here we're going to have a preview card. We're going to have our top 10 blue-green card list because the preview card is a blue-green card. And I think uh, we're going to start with that. We're, we're going to start you. with the card? I think so, yeah. but we need to... Um, we need to do our shout-outs before we reveal all the goodness of this card. This card's it's sweet. True. I'm very excited for this card. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, we've discussed this before, and to give you a little bit of a preview, uh, the card we are previewing from Rivals of Ixalan is better than every other single card on our top ten <laughs> list. The blue-green card list is outrageously bad. I, it's astounding how bad. Like, yeah. I, I like don't really understand how there's so few good blue green cards. I think in the whole entire context of playable blue green cards, there's two on this entire list in modern period that have ever actually uh, seen uh, real play. Yeah, I would say that on this list there currently is not any real cards. It's no. really weird. It's like none of these cards like literally the only the really number one is the only one that's I in a real against, deck. I played against number one last night. Yeah. Uh MVP in my deck. All right. S- Scrib Ranger. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it'll all make sense, guys. Yeah. It'll all, right. all, all right. make sense. All right. So, so uh, let's uh, do the shout outs. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. And the podcast is at the MM Cast. Yes, it is. Uh, make sure to uh, check out the Patreon. That's how we pay for these things. That's how we pay for the sound equipment. That's how we bought a new card after I lost the first card. Yeah, we That's got how it. we got the uh, video camera equipment that we'll be using, hopefully. Uh, well, we won't be hopefully using it. We will be using it in. 
2018. Yep. This year, Coming the year right that up. we are currently in. Yep. Uh, we uh, will be. You know, it, it makes it so this podcast can get better and better and keep going. You know, the recording equipment we had earlier this year shut down. Uh, so, or, or last year shut down. So we had to buy new equipment. So thanks to everyone on the Patreon, we were able to continue doing the show. Uh, make sure to donate or check out uh, the Anchor Show. Yeah, we have a show on Anchor. It's called 10 Minutes of Modern, and it is daily content on an app that is basically Twitter meets podcast. It's short-form audio blurbs. I run this. Alex is on there pretty frequently. We talk about like modern a, things. Like a weekly, bi-weekly. Yeah, well, the deal is that you guys get content from us here, but we're taking two weeks off. But I do content there every day, and when I'm actually on my game, which currently I'm not, I post those to podcast episodes also so you can find them as a podcast. I'm about two weeks behind on that. But normally you can find the whole backlog of old Anchor episodes. Right, you missed, you missed, like, it, while between this episode and the last Masters of Modern episode, when you weren't listening to Masters of Modern content, you could have been listening on Anchor. You would have gone Ben singing magic cards on Christmas as Christmas carols. You made this joke once. Uh, and it, it's now gone. No, no proof. You get <laughs> to, you know, he he literally counts down his top five oofs of all time. This was a real thing. He suggested this yesterday. I immediately started looking up how many oofs there are. There's seven oofs in yeah, modern. Yeah, so I, I said ten, <laughs> so now I'm down to five. Look at look at the power of rehearsal. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so there's really crazy stuff Ben's going to be doing that Ben did last week that you guys missed because you're not listening there. So check out the Anchor app. Uh, make sure to also watch and or listen and or touch Endor? <laughs> the commands the command zone <laughs> yeah uh they are those are some of the senses that you have as a person um <laughs> they do great commander content every week uh they did a really cool episode last uh that towards the right before christmas where they applied the politics leading up to the world wars and used it in a context of preparing for a commander game Yep. So it was really sweet. Uh, they had a lot of learning there. If you don't play a lot of Commander, it's actually a good episode just in general. Uh, so I generally recommend... There was a pun because you have Commanders. Yeah, I get It wasn't that. really good. It wasn't a good no, pun. I should have said good. Commander. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you don't... In Commander, that's, see, that won't work. In general, if you don't listen to play Commander, this is a good episode to listen to because there's a lot of good stuff in it. Um, and yeah, I think those are our shout-outs. Yeah, and the last one, the last really big shout-out... Oh, Facebook shout out, group. Go to the Facebook group. Uh, yeah, Facebook group. We're on Facebook. It's, uh, it's like, so good. It's, there's com. so much cool discussion there. Facebook.com slash it's, actually, it's better than us. Yeah. There's like three thousand people in there now. We're like we're like parents that have watched their child who are like, Oh man, I wish I could have played college football. I like hurt my knee and then your son plays college football and he's like the main player and you're like, Yeah, son, that's what the Facebook group is to us. You almost just made a sports reference, <laughs> but you failed. Uh, the last shout-out, really quickly before we get into our preview card, is buy Super Party Battle if you like to hang out and party in battles uh, and play sweet games. It's like King's Cup meets Magic. It's super fun. Yeah, it's, it's like if you play Magic. It's like kind of like unha- unglued, unhinged, but your all your cards are on a college campus, and they're, they're fun and wacky. And in case you're confused about what we're talking about, it's it's a game that is made by Kesko. Alex designed it. We we sell it here at Kesko, the company that Alex started that I work at uh, and for and with, and uh, one of those all of those and uh, they they yeah it's a great game it's a lot of fun I've played it in the office I don't really like to play tabletop games that aren't magic but I've enjoyed this game so I recommend it Um, that's it let's get into our our preview card so it's a blue green it's blue and green it's converted mana cost is both blue and green and that's it Blake Rasmussen who's the he's like the guy the liaison who works at Wizards who gives these cards out he's the one that does the daily yeah he like now like has his little daily uh, MTG thing has gone from just a thing he posted every day to it's the entire Magic the Gathering site. Yeah. Do you see that? They just like totally updated the website, and now it's like more Blake's thing than anything else. So oh, he's, no. he's the master of daily MTG. Yeah, and I mean, he does the, the daily rundown was great. I was a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, he 
gave us this card, and in the email, it said... The most predictable card to come out of RIX, quote unquote. Yeah, and you'll understand why in just a second, because on, on some level, this is a card that is surprising, because it I, I wouldn't have predicted this card in the form that we got it. In other ways, it's kind of the most like obvious card that they would possibly print in Rivals. It's like if Alex and I had gone into a think tank to try to figure out what they would do in, in this set and what we would likely see... I think you and I probably would have come up with this. Maybe we would have come up with something, the, a one more mana version of this, but I still think we probably would have come up with this. It makes sense. So, uh, uh, when we were done talking about it, I would tell you. So it's an uncommon. I would have, ma- yeah, exactly. Ma- I would have made the rare version that would have had one specific keyword that I will mention, but they no longer do it. But I would mention what it would be once we're done talking yes. about it. Uh, so it's blue and a green. It's a uh, two-two. It is called Merfolk Mistbinder. Yeah, it's a two-two uh, uncommon. It's a two-two uncommon. Uh, for those who don't assume they know this uh but it's a merfolk creature type merfolk shaman uh its flavor text is the mist clothes us when we are bare hides us when we are alone and unites us when we are together near it of pashma's band its rule text reads other merfolk you control get plus one plus one (laughs) yeah uh there are now 12 merfolk lords at two mana there's 12 so there's a version of this deck of the merfolk deck in modern Tropical Merfolk. There's a lot of things going on here. Uh, one of them is one of them is that you can play twelve of your two mana lords. You could also play them with Marrow Rejury, which means if you wanted, you could play sixteen tier one lords in a blue green Merfolk deck. And if you wanted to go deeper, you could play uh, Merfolk Sovereign and go in twenty. Yeah, if you really wanted to just be, if you, if you wanted to go full soloist, so to speak, you could go all of the two drops and the three drops. You could even play Coral Helm Commander just because why not? Yeah. Uh, how many how, is that the total amount of merfolk lords there are there's you could play adaptive automaton yeah yeah exactly to go really like we could we could make a deck of probably 40 lords and 20 islands which is crazy but it would not be as good as the version i don't think exists. you need forest because one of these yeah yeah we did don't this. do that everybody what you should do is play green spells like the one mana two two there's and yeah there's basically the, there's basically so four vial four of the one drop two two and four curse catcher if you want to just be classic about it so that's 12 one drops you get the six your your 12 two mana lords plus your eight two drop card draw guys so that's 20 plus your 12 so that's 32 right. cards plus plus four spreading seas Four spreading seas, right? So there you go. Now you're at 36, yep. and pretty much after that, these you, decks play. Tw- these decks play 20 land, I guess, because you're playing the other branch walker. And- well, at this point, you're kind of cutting out most three drops and most four drops. I would really heavily lean into 18 lands now in this deck and play just like some removal and maybe Akira or a, you know one or two like I don't even one to you- three three drops. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I honestly think you'd probably. I think you'd probably just play all the one drops, the two drops. Um, I think you play Sovereign. I think you, or not Sovereign, uh, Rejury, because the whole idea of the going turbo with untapping, have, I think four is good. Cards. Yeah, maybe like two Rejuries and a Coppola and Akira, and then maybe like two Dismembers or four Dismembers. Yeah, it, like your deck gets really tight. So it's, like, it's interesting. I'm very interested to see. I personally wouldn't play Rejuries. I would cut at those and then yeah. like just keep my curve real low and go right at them. And, and that way I can get cut down to maybe even 16 lands with testing. So, cause a lot of your cards also can't up. They explore. So there's a lot you could do here. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I suppose, I suppose thinking about it, like you could just play 18 lands, with no three drops and your deck would just be so savagely like, like it, vapor snags, dismembers yeah, exactly. or the merfolk that 
bounces a thing. Yeah, I mean, you're fast, but you're not that disruptive. So, and there's a lot of combo. So maybe. maybe yeah, but your cyborg can just be like all mana leaks for mans. Yeah, I think actually, probably if I was going to do this, I would play the blue green version that's all ones and twos, like we said, with curse catchers. And then I would play interaction for the final five to six slots. I wouldn't play any of the three drops. I wouldn't bother with Kira or anything. I would just. Mm -hmm. You're so low to the ground and you have so much power. Yeah. And if, that I, well, think I, think, I, would, I think your cyborg could have like two ghost quarters and a bunch of like bigger spells if you wanted to like side up yeah i think i'd probably play like like um probably just counter magic sure. as, as my slots just to make sure that you just don't get comboed out you're gonna be better than all the creature decks so like i think the only thing you really have to worry about is getting like wrathed by a control deck uh spot removal too hard or comboed and so i think that if you're playing a little bit of disruption to protect your creatures and enough counter magic to make sure you don't just outright lose to like ad nauseum yeah. or something. Storm, I think you're fine. You're in the right colors to get get some decent artifact data out of green and some decent just counter magic to stop things that you want to counter and you think you'd be good. Should the deck just be playing? Oh no, because you're playing mono green cards now. Well, no, you're playing literally four green, uh, eight. I was going to say, should you're the deck just 12 green cards? Yeah, but not mono. I was thinking Disrupting Shoal. Should the deck just play Disrupting Shoal now in the main? Because it's just like you don't have to. You're just going to want to tap out every single turn, and you're always going to be able to because everything costs one and two. So you're, you're never going to be sitting there. I think you can there. play Disrupting Shoal. I, I, I guess like the point is that this deck wants every creature it has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's cool. I, I also think what's interesting about this card is beyond like making just Tropical Merfolk and like maybe giving choices between super aggressive Lord Hever Merfolk versus interaction heavy Mono Blue Merfolk is it also puts us into a position where standard Merfolk is also just going to be a thing. Uh, I mean, we have now both of the two mana draw card Merfolk. Yeah. Uh, you'll have this. You'll have the one mana green one, 2-2. Uh, if Curse Catcher isn't in Rivals of Ixalan, I will flip every table in the office. You'll just come in the next day with every desk upside <laughs> down. Um, it is the worst expensive card in Modern, and if it's not reprinted here, it, it I would it better be in Magic 25 or the net. I don't know. I used to have a lot of them. They're all gone. I sold them all at like four bucks. Yeah, they're, they're what? They're like $12 right now? I think like 10. 10? They dropped down a little yeah. bit. And I, they're only 10 because they are expected to be reprinted in the next set. But exactly. the moment they're not, they'll be a $30 Precisely. Com uncommon, common? Uh, it was uncommon back then. And I can't imagine this card being a rare now, so I think it would have to still be uncommon. I well, if they it reprint it, it'll be a $3. It'll be less than $3. But yeah. if they don't yeah. reprint it, it's a $30 uncommon. All right. Uh, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at on Merfolk. Yep. So, this card is so much better than every other card on my top 10 list. It, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, 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 the one it's card. I, if I controlled the world, I would have given this guy all Merfolk get for Forest Walk. Oh, that would have been sick. Right? Wouldn't have been spicy? Yeah. It wouldn't have actually been good like the other ones are good. Jund becomes a way easier matchup for Merkfolk. Yeah, I guess natural Forest Walk. I was just thinking with Spreading Seas. Um, but yeah. Well, but you have the Island Walk Spreading Seas plan. All your other lords do that, so the Forest Walk just covers your bases. It might actually be too powerful for Modern, to be totally They don't honest. do Land Walk anymore, though, right? Correct. That's, That's why that just yeah, wouldn't yeah. exist. It's not possible, but it would be cool. Yeah, and also the like the whole design of it wouldn't have been consistent with the design of the I guess standard. It could, it could read like players. Merfolk can't be blocked blocked by creatures controlled by players with forests. Would be how it had to be worded now. Something like that. Which I mean, which like it would be on theme a little bit because you get plus the plus one plus one from the green guy if you control an island. Um, oh, or maybe what would have been sick is uh, your merfolk get an additional plus one plus zero oh if an opponent controls a forest. Well, but that's a different. That's a different. That's what? 
Yo, you see, he gets plus two, plus one. I don't think that could be a two mana spell. It's too too good. I think all Merfolk at Forest Walk is a is so comparable to all Merfolk at Island Walk that it would be fine. I just liked it with the whole um, Kumana speaker idea of you control Island, it gets bigger. Anyway, we've rambled about this card enough. Um, thank you for listening, guys. The, we're done for the for the year. Just kidding. We have a whole episode to do. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, we have we have. I even count count down. So bad. Okay, so what's um, uh, ready? Yeah. Ready to start number ten. Just to clarify for anybody who's confused, what's going on? We did this whole episode yesterday. We like talked about this. That's the point. Is it got stolen out of the car? We have to do it again. We did the whole countdown, so we're doing it a second time right now. So, uh, and I mixed my things around a little bit because after our discussions, you? I decided I changed the evaluation on two of the cards. I swapped out one card that was in my honorables. That was the only card that was on your list that wasn't on mine because I felt like I missed it. Okay. I don't think it's really good, but it's good enough. Okay. So and I then I uh, uh, so yeah. So the the one thing to do bring up is we are now counting down our top two favorite color pairs. We're doing Simic today, which is the blue. Bre- blue green color pair we did azorius a couple weeks ago uh we'll be going through them in 2018 but uh something that we've changed between doing azorius and now is we are now adding uh lands that have activation costs of the color pair so uh it, for instance on you know a, a celestial colonnade in azorius would have won the whole top 10 azor celestial colonnade Clearly. is if that is the definition of a blue white card Celestial Colonnade is the most played blue-white card of all time. Um, that is an outrageously expensive card right now. Uh, where would, At what point in time would you suggest selling Celestial Colonnades? Because it's going to get a reprint. It's just a question of when can you expect it. Like Our buddy has three foils he found in his binary yesterday. Eric did. He was oh. like, wow, I just have three of these? I was like, that's like $65. Wait, Celestial Colonnade is $60? Regular one's 42 That's what I was trying to say. I, felt, I feel like there has to be a sell at some point on this. I don't know. That's hard. Yeah, doesn't feel like a card that should cost that much. Before Magic 25, spoilers? I feel like it'll get reprinted pretty soon. That whole cycle is due for a reprint. Yeah, they could do it in time. And, like, they're really cool in Limited. Like, the problem with, like, doing most lands in Limited in, in, like, Master Set is that they're, like, not good. Yeah. Or they're just, like, a, a land. Totally. Versus, like, a man land. Like, that's a spell. That's 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 the best Azoria spell ever created. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, those are included. This one, uh, Lumbering Falls, may or may not show up in our lists. Ben's fixing his headphones. Uh, yep. Just, yeah, it's the same. Still not loud. Weird. Put them on both. No, but as when I recorded when you were gone with Frank, the volume sure. was so low. And then when you we recorded yesterday, it was back to normal. And now it's low again. Oh, right, I don't sure. know why. Yeah, that's weird. Um, so, yeah, so we are going to get past that and do our top 10. Night number 10 is Mystic Snake. Mystic Snake. Didn't make my list. Yeah. Didn't make my list. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Mystic Snake, yeah, for those who don't know, is blue, blue, green, colorless. It is a 2 2 snake. And when it enters the battlefield, uh, you counter a spell. It is was until Spell Queller, the main creature with a counter spell attached, other than maybe Venser, but this is the only hard counter on a creature. Uh, that's remotely playable in modern and has seen some play. Uh, there's these Bant mid-range decks that will kind of play around with this, that will play this. Sometimes they'll play Restoration Angels to re-trigger the Mystic Snakes. They like have, you know, the, the reason they're able to get around with kind of a, a miniature four drop is they play Noble Hierarchs to kind of get up there. And we're going to talk about that type of deck a few times in this list because there's a few cards here that kind of fall under that. But um, 
don't know. It's 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 definitely something that people play. I think you mentioned the first time we watched it. It's the card that like someone who hasn't played Magic for a long time gets back into the game. Yeah, and is like, oh man, ah, I'm just I'm gonna play Modern. I broke Mystic Snake. Get ready. I remember like uh, when Andrew Cuneo got back into Magic, like back I don't know, like six years, five six years ago. He played in like a Modern event, <laughs> like and he did pretty well with it. And he played a blue white control deck, but it was running Sarah Angel as his finisher, <laughs> and it was like, oh yeah, you haven't played Magic in like ten years, so you would think that Sarah Angel's really really good now he did well i feel like mystic snake is kind of on that level because it's like you definitely have better cards now like i think spell is just infinitely better uh-huh. fencer is definitely better there's just pieces of, of instant speed interaction even like spell stutter sprite is like probably a more practical card than this for most cases in modern sure but you know this is the og card for somebody who played a lot of magic 10 years ago yep. so yeah, yeah. no yeah. no uh all right what's your number 10 my number 10 is uh, coiling oracle um yeah, okay. it's an elf snake Druid, I think, and maybe it is all three of those things. Uh, it's blue green for a one-one that uh, when it enters the battlefield, you uh, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you put it into play. If it's non-land, you put it into your hand. Slightly better than a two-mana one-one that draws a card. It's just not quite good enough, and never has been quite good enough in modern to be uh, impactful. I, it's interesting because this effect, you know, the Merfolk version of it, we just. It yeah. is totally playable. This so, is better than both versions of the Merfolk version of this, other than it's not a 2-1 and it doesn't have the creature type Merfolk. Elves play Elvish Druid. <laughs> those are some pretty big... Uh... Yeah. Uh, uh, but Elves plays Elvish Druid, but it triggers off of the things. I've always kind of thought that this is very far, very close. Is like a either Elves has a real reason to play blue uh, away from it seeing play, which is possible. I mean, we are currently... If you had paid me... Or uh, I would not have bet that Merfolk would be splashing green. It's not called Elvish Druid. What the hell is it called? Elvish Mystic? No, it's Elvish. No, Elvish no. Mystic still is the Lanar Elf. I, I I can't think what it's called. Normally, I would know this, but... Okay, well, the entire and, internet and is the, yelling the, at us collectively. The draw card for 1-1-2 mana Elf. I just can't think what it's called it's right It's one now. green, one colorless, draw card Elf. So yeah, this, yeah. It's, it, this is theoretically better than it, other than it requires blue. So Elves, if it ever needs again the blue, would be playing this card. Um and it just is so close. I've played it in decks before. I used to play it in a bant list that Elvish Visionary. Ah, we got there. Yeah. Once again, the bant list was trying to play Celestial not uh Eldrazi Conscription off of Sovereign's Lost Alar, and so I was looking just for as many early creatures I can play that like randomly could attack to get Eldrazi Conscription on it and ramp up to six mana. Um so Yeah. Yeah. The Snake Tribal also could be a thing any day of the week. Eventually it could be. I, I I pay attention to this card for I like to say this a lot when we talk about evaluating card power, but you have to think about redundancy when you look at a card's power and try to decide, is it good or is it not? And so it's how many other things for this mana cost to do this or do something like this. Um, You don't really have a lot of better... Like, you don't need a tribal synergy to make this good. It's just a draw card, two mana, one one. So, like... You have like Wall of Omens, you have things like that, but like those cards have classically been good. So there is value here. It's just right on the fringes and it's in the wrong colors to ever have really made an impact. Yeah, that's like like, like if blue and green as a combination needed a blocker is one like because mainly the best blue and green deck in modern's entire history is in fact. Yep. And it significantly drops off after that of any other color other any other deck playing it. So yeah, you need you would need a blink. You need a blink strategy, or you'd need it to be a favor of the overbeing deck. That's the blue green aura well, that, from each other, yeah. or even tied. Uh, and I have it higher, so I'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into it a little bit more when we get to the next thing. Uh, so, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Lumbering Falls. It's ah. like a big lumbering turd, in my opinion. This card is terrible. Oh, mine's uh, way higher. I can't believe that. It, this card's not good. 
It's uh, it's the Manland. Have it's, you played with it? Yeah, I've got like six of them for some reason. I have <laughs> three of them from the pre-release weekend. I I got it in all three of my pre-release packs as as my foil rare. I'm not that same, or maybe I traded. I can't remember, but um, I have multiples. I think I have two of the pre-release foils and one regular foil. So I, mine's way higher, and I, I'm not gonna you know get too into why I think it's way higher. But uh, I think the reason Lumbering Falls doesn't see play has much more to do with the color combination, not needing this Manland, than it being bad. Here's my problem with this card. It's not evasive. So it's a 3-3 three, three that costs you 4 to activate and the land. So it means for 5 mana, you're attacking with a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that they can't target it certainly is relevant. But all they have to do is be able to block it with something bigger. And it's not good. Like, I, they, I, for me, this card is just... It's too expensive. It needed if if they had pushed it. Well, but it still fixes your mana. Like as a blue green thing that you can play in a deck that wants to just hold on, make fix their mana, can play an early like a random tapped land, which decks exist that can do that. And like like I would say a teamer deck. The problem is is that the like it needs to be blue green because blue green red you much rather play raging ravine. Blue white green you would much rather play celestial conite. But I think a salty deck would play this over the green black death touch land or. Maybe in Creeping Tarpit. Like, that's where the com- contest com- question comes into. But Creeping Tarpit dies to every piece of removal in the format, or this doesn't. And think if your deck is good enough at killing things, I'd rather have this. Think about how good just the difference of 4-mana attacking with a 4-4 four four when it can be targeted versus 4-mana attacking with a 3-3 three three that can't. The difference of a 4-4 four four and a 3-3 three three in Modern is so significant that for me, Raging Ravine is just, like, obviously well, so much better. Well, but that's deck-dependent. I mean, like, it, if I'm playing a deck that wants my, my threat want to be indestructible from my opponent being able to target it with things this is going to be a better card and control decks generally want that if you're playing a control deck you just want a inevitability engine you're going to be able to stop your opponent from blocking that's not an issue i'm sitting here arguing how bad this card is even though it's on my list um it's like obviously it's a necessity you don't have this otherwise and so it is if you wanted to play this color combination a perfectly fine card to have in your deck um i would prefer that it was like activated for blue green one and was a three one hexproof so that would have been aggressive. That would have been like, okay, I see where this is going. This means that this means that once I get to five lands, I can still activate this and have one mana open for like a spell pierce or something. I, or like I mean, like if we're talking about what we'd rather or, have, uh, a two-two for three that when it does damage to a player, draw a card. Yeah, but that would have been really good. That like that wouldn't have they four want, mana draw a card if your opponent can't block a two-two. I mean, a man land that draws cards is very good. Yeah. A, a man land that's more fragile. But is a little cheaper to activate is more fun to have. Okay, uh, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about why I think this card's fine when I get to it much higher on my list. What's uh, your my number nine? number nine is Simic Charm. Uh, much higher for me. It's f- fine. He, here's the deal: Simic Charm is a a card that I wish was better than it was. It does a lot of things exactly when I wanted to do them. But guess what? In fact, is the best blue green deck ever in modern. Simic Charm, literally every ability on Simic Charm reads like a, an ability that Infect would want. Totally. Pump Spell, Infect wants it. Protect your creature, Infect wants it. Uh, and Bounce a, bounce a creature that's in the way, Infect wants it. Literally all three abilities will be useful in an Infect deck at all times. Infect has played this card almost zero times and done well with it. And if this card isn't going to see play in Infect, the blue-green deck built specifically for Civic Charm to work with, I can't imagine it really being that good anywhere else. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I have this quite a bit higher, so I'll talk about it when we get it's to it. It's funny that like our top tens were just hating on <laughs> higher cards. Well, they're just like not very good cards, but we, we, we'll talk more about this. Um, so my number eight. Yeah. 
Rogue Refiner. Um, uh, this wasn't who, on my list yesterday. Look who uh, well, took my move. It, I kicked a card off that was a bad card okay. that I was incorrect about. Okay. <laughs> that card will now make my honorable mentions. <laughs> You, okay. know, you just want to know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't want to know what it was. <laughs> Trigon Predator. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like a sweet card, but like as I was talking about it yesterday, I was just like, "There's just this is just wrong. This is just antiquated thinking from somebody who played Legacy five years ago. <laughs> this is, I've never literally ever seen this card in anyone's how, deck ever. How far Trigon Predator has fallen. So th- those who don't know Trigon Predator, which we're not talking about right now, is a 2-3 flyer that when it does damage to a player, they... It Destroy, destroys an yeah. artifact. It's good in like formats like vintage. It's just that in modern, there's so many things. Its, it's that power are level than is this. directly correlated with, or in in eh, indirectly correlated. Whatever I'm saying it wrong, but it the less artifact, the less removal there is, and the more artifacts that are in the format, the better Trigorn Predator is. So in vintage, it's a house. In legacy, a- it's okay. In modern, it's bad. <laughs> Here's the reason it's bad. It's a creature in bad colors that has three toughness that doesn't do anything when it comes into play. And the best case scenario is that you manage to connect with it on the fourth turn of the game. At- we also it- don't have like decks like shops or yeah. like the best. The closest thing we have is lantern control, which like laughs at this card. They would never ever let you actually get this card in play. And and like in in. There's not artifact decks that aren't affinity, and this does nothing against affinity. And affinity, if your artifact hate isn't killing it, you're doing it wrong. We're not talking about this card. We're yeah. talking about Rogue Refiner. Yeah, so Rogue Refiner <laughs> is way higher on my list, uh, yeah. because. but you can talk about it here. Yeah. I'll, I'll save my stuff for when I talk about it's it. It's a green, blue, one, three, two. Uh, the one that enters the battlefield, you draw a card and get two energy. Um, it's pushed, obviously. It's pushed for standard. It's one of It was one of the best, if not the best, energy card in standard for quite a while. And when he says that in past tense, he means that in present tense. Yeah, it's still. I just mean it's already made its impact, so people have seen this card be mm-hmm. very good in standard. Um, a three-two for three that draws a card is already like pretty relevant. I think that's already good. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, the fact that it gives you two energy, which like we discussed this yesterday, but I, I believe two energy represents about sixty percent of a card. Two energy is worth like about a one-one artifact creature token, mm-hmm. or like it's worth maybe like plus a plus one plus one counter on a creature. So it's not worth a full card to me. Uh, I think it's worth m- more than a plus one plus one counter on a creature. I mean, that's what it is on what Long Tusk Cub, right? Isn't it? You spend two energy to give it a plus one plus one counter. Yes, but I. Th- this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Continue. Yeah, I think, I think when you look at energy, the way it's designed, it's not supposed to be this many energy is worth a card, but I think that if you're getting two energy in an energy deck, it works in conjunction with other things. Uh, for instance, Aether Hub, one energy allows you to fix your your any color mana. Sure. So, like, if two more energy gives you two more counters on your gemstone mine kind of thing, like... I, like, I would almost say one energy is equal to a mana to me, then. Yeah, close to it. I Where, think. Like, like, a whole card isn't worth... But if you had a 3-2 that came into play and made two blue mana, but it was a, a red, black, white creature, so it was like you can't you have to play in a five-color deck, I think that's... Two energies worth of one mana. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, two energies worth of mana. I agree with you. That, 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 and, and in modern, uh, you don't get a lot of single 
two like nobody pays one mana to draw one card in modern like that's not a thing that exists nobody plays whispers of the muse you have to have some reason to be playing the card sure. so it's incidental right it's yeah. it's it's not quite it's it's like a three mana three well, it's, getting it's, you a it's card and a half, kind of i mean yeah and we'll, we'll i'll talk a little, a little bit later but i think that this is it's good. I think Energy good. is is weird because it's a different type of resource. And so in in the world of if all I'm getting is this two energy to use on maybe one spell, fine. But the fact that it's accumulative, like yeah. it's greater than the sum of its parts. More than mana is because mana only is useful the turn I get it. We, or, you know, a, a, a maybe comparable to a card draw. But yeah. We will definitely see... Um, more of this card in modern because somebody's going to make energy work. It's like two in it. The inevitability is right, like... Which is... It's higher on my list. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my number eight yep. is Coiling Oracle. Okay. So yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to say about that is like Snake Tribal is... And even maybe to a lesser extent Druid type Tribal even if we ever go to another jobs themed set where people like their, their class is more important than necessarily their tribe. Uh, but snakes are like... After spirit, you know, there's there's the the classics, the goblins, the elves, the merfolks, and then you get to the, like the spirits and the zombies and the the vampires. But then, like, I would say the next level after that is snakes. We always go back to snakes. They're kind of like cat tribal. Like I would say, cats are the white, snakes are the green. Like we're always gonna get these green cards and snake tribal at any moment. Could we just go to a set that snakes are a big deal? We could go to. Um, and so with that in mind, I mean, Naga hurts this a little bit, but with that in mind, I feel like there's a high chance that just eventually there's going to be enough good snake cards and they're going to be in blue green. Yeah, maybe. And then Coiling Oracle becomes an extremely important card in that deck. Bant Spirits wasn't a, a deck a year, two years ago, but because we went to Innistrad again right, and got we, the cards for Bant Spirits to be good again, we got Spell Queller and Mausoleum Wander. Wander and, or, yeah, so like between those two, we were able to do Spirits now. So you get two cards like that and Snakes, and you have all the Snakes from Kamigawa Block, and we're off to the races. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would never play. Well, I should take that back. I could see myself playing Snake Tribal. Yeah, but it's just lying. It's <laughs> lies. Uh, the other thing is, I do think it's I think it's good. I mean, like, obviously, these are all cards that aren't seeing play, but I've seen, I've of the cards that I have higher than this, of the cards on my list, I probably played Coiling Oracle more than any other card on this list. Coiling Oracle actually feels probably for both of us like it should be higher. It actually feels like a card that you and I would both go to when thinking about building decks, where I think the vast majority of the cards on this list I would never think about putting in a deck, so... I, I'm going to like vaguely by tournament results, I guess, or like potential. Yeah, that's like, fair. Coiling Oracle doesn't have a deck. I think every card I have above it does. Got it. Um, and because of that, or is like new and powerful, or has had a deck that got banned out from under it, yep. versus Coiling Oracle that has never had a deck and still hasn't, but I think it's a close one on becoming possible to have a deck around it. So is that your number eight? That was my number eight. Uh, so my next one is? Number seven. Kiora, the crashing wave. Uh, this is the oh. good, and I use that term loosely, mm -hmm. the good Kiora. Uh, this is blue-green two for a two-loyalty Kiora Planeswalker, plus one until your next turn, prevent all damage that we dealt to and by target permanent and opponent controls, and then minus one to draw a card, and you may play an additional land this turn, minus five to start getting a 9-9 nine -nine blue Kraken token at the end of every turn. You have your, your every turn. Um, so... <laughs> This isn't on your list, if I remember correctly. It's not. Uh, it this card's never going to see play in modern. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's a tough sell. I think this card's pretty sweet. The art's really cool, also. Um, I don't think that that affects your uh, nah, capability in the top ten. Um, I I think this card's sweet. I like. I really love the idea here's, that for four mana you get to explore twice. I think that's really fun. Here's every 
non not every removal spell. This thing dies to a lot very easily. To everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, and if you plus it, it still dies to everything. This like, thing minuses and then dies to gut shot. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it like pluses and dies to lightning bolt. Like most planeswalkers you play don't one for one with a one mana card and it's a four drop. Yeah. Yes, lightning bolt is seeing less play, but every creature under the sun attacks for three or more. Yeah, like, I can't think of a creature in modern that doesn't do something else specifically that also outclasses this card that yeah. doesn't attack for three. And yes, internet, you could show me ones that do. I know there are some. Uh, but like this card just. Yeah. It's. it's uh, and the things it's doing, like I'd rather. And, and the other thing is, if I'm playing green or blue, there are six other planeswalkers I can think of that I'd rather play. I'd rather play Garrick, Wildspeaker. I'd rather play Jace, uh, Architect of Thought. So, like. There's just a lot more that I want to be doing here. Yeah, it's not really very good, but, you know. I would play <laughs> Mystic Snake over this card. <laughs> uh, fair. I'm, 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 probably over, I'm probably overrating this card. Okay, right. uh, but speaking of Kiora, my number seven. Okay. Kiora's follower. Oh, yeah, that's on my list, too. In uh, fact, that is my number six. Oh, okay. So we can collectively uh, talk about it. Blue and a green. Uh, you tap it to untap a permanent. So, yeah, this it's is... It's a merfolk. It's a merfolk. <laughs> it's part of several, I guess, like, um, like part of, like, several, what's it called? Uh, combo decks with, like, kiki-jiki. End well, of turn, the, if you kiki with this, you can go infinite the next attack I think step. that's not a thing people... I mean, you can do that. That I've, is a thing. I've with kiki-jiki, <laughs> you can do that. But I think the main place this sees play really more than anything is in Just Guy Ascendancy decks. This goes infinite with Just Guy Ascendancy and one drops like it's one of the like oh, I can untap things it's a creature that untaps and I make any color mana as long as my lands can do that so you those are really important in the deck and so this is one of the ones that can do that so it's really definitely you know definitely a key piece of that that hasn't been a real deck since Treasure Cruise in a way but it is a deck that people play and it, at any moment could get the right card printed to make it a real thing like that is a deck that wins on turn two if you get the right hand and right. you get the right cards you could do it uh, it's easy to find with Glittering Wish, so it's one of the few Glittering Wish targets that goes off with Just Guy Ascendancy. Uh, so that's important. You can get full art ones. I know full art doesn't matter. Uh, the other thing is, like, there are, I, I've seen, like, Ponza lists people have shared with me um, that use this because you want to untap the lands with all the enchantments on it to make a bunch of money, a mana. So it, that that is also somewhere that it's powerful. But I think that... Uh, once we get to seven for me, we start hitting cards that have seen play or see play in decks, even if those decks aren't real, but they definitely have power. Can't you just like play Birds of Paradise, this card, and Kiki Jiki, and then set up your win end of their turn end of turn three and win on turn four? Isn't that like a thing? Because you like play the bird on turn one, you play this guy on turn two, and then on turn three, you pass the turn. If they have any removal spell. <laughs> Because you can cast the Kiki Jiki on turn three, then with this card and, and a bird, yeah, and then you just sit and don't do anything, and then go infinite. You don't do anything for their full turn. They don't do anything to remove either of your creatures, and even if they do remove one of your creatures, because if you do it during their turn, they all die at the end of their end step. Correct. Yeah, it's bad. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Garrus follower. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think this card's relevant because it's a two mana ability. It's a two mana effect that allows you to untap things, which there's not a lot of. And we're we're going to talk about my number five. And when it comes to redundancy, the fact that this with my number five are good cards on their own yeah. that combo and go infinite with Kiki Jiki is something to talk about. I think that a rug Kiki Jiki deck that maybe is playing these and a Pestermite or or a Deceiver Exarch, which yeah. I think would be better here, means that all these cards kind of do something together. 
and help you ramp out Kiki Jiki, but if you need to, can go infinite. If you're just like, I'm dead on my next turn, they have enough people, in, or I, I know for sure I'm dead in two turns or whatever, and I have Kiki Jiki in play in this, uh, I'm just going to go for it. Or if you have Kiki Jiki in play and they remove your De- Deceiver Exarch for whatever reason, then you have a way to kind of go off. Right. Um, so I think that from that perspective, it being your 12th, uh, ability to go off with Kiki Jiki plus a ramp spell in the deck that you want it for that reason makes it worth it. You can also sack this to Eldritch Evolution. So there's like things you can do with it. I don't think that's a bad place to be at. Yeah, fair. Um, as like a your C plan. If A plans and B plans go badly. What's uh, your what's your, your number, number six? Number five, I think, right? Well, you oh so Oracle okay so my refi- my, my seven was Kiro's follower. Your six is Kiro's follower. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four. So. 10, 9, 8, 7. So my 7 was Kiora. Regular. My 6 is Follower. Cool. Okay. So my 6 is Nissa, Steward of the Elements. Oh, I have that higher. Uh, so Nissa, Steward of the Elephants is... Of the Elephants, did you say? Uh, yes. <laughs> kind of. She makes Elephants, right? She makes... What? Does Are she they, make no, elephants? they're 5 five, not 3 threes. <laughs> uh, All right. So Steward, Nissa... This is the X Planeswalker. It's blue-green X, Planeswalker, Nissa, plus two, scry two. Uh, zero, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card or a creature card with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of loyalty counters on Nissa, Steward of the Elements, you may put that card onto the battlefield. Minus six, untap up to two target lands you control. They become 5-5 five, five elemental creatures with flying and haste until end of turn. They are still lands. Her, She has X, so when you cast her, the X is how large her loyalty is. Um, I think she's really good. Like, she's new. She's a new Planeswalker. She's a three main Planeswalker at a worst case scenario. She's kind of always good on the curve. She's the one card on my deck in my on my list that has more to do with potential power level. Yeah. Uh, maybe Rogue Refiner, which I have even higher than this, is is in a similar boat. But I think he's a little farther down the line, which is why I have him higher. But she can. She's very good. All of her abilities are good. The fact that you can plus her. You can play her on turn eight if you have eight mana, which a blue-green Bant deck theoretically could have through ramp or whatever they're doing, and be able to then ultimate immediately just swing with two five fives. Like there's things that she does that's really powerful, and yeah, I like her a lot. Yeah, I think this card's really good. Um, I like I said, it's higher for me, so I'll wait to, to ramble about it. Um, this is going to be my favorite to ramble about. I have some sweet ideas to do with this card. It is it is every way better than Kiora the Crashing Wave. Yes, I agree. <laughs> have we seen Nissa since this? Uh, you mean in the story? In the yeah, card? like has there been a Nissa card since? No, I mean this cards? is recent. This is last year. This is this year. Yeah, this year, or it was last year, according to this podcast. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. future. Who's like, recording in the past? This, this card came Time. out. In, I think this card was spoiled in like the spring. Like this. Yeah, this April, is the Omniket Planeswalker. So I was in like I think I was in like providence rhode island or something when this card okay because i was doing i remember calling you from one of the airports out there brewing a stupid deck i guess i'm wondering is there a is nissa now blue green and is there no longer a mono green gatewatch planeswalker or is she maybe i like three mana uh three mana nissa a lot yeah that's that's both of the three mana well this is technically two mana but this is gonna lot I, i would say other than her first card which is the first planeswalker i ever played in a constructed deck uh the elves, elves. I had elves yeah. in uh, Zendikar standard, but five, uh, five mana Nissa is really good too. The one, no, 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 all, I would say all Nissas have been really good. Not all because yeah. there's been the six mana ones, but like, yeah, pretty and the pretty dual solid deck though. ones, but like all of them have been powerful. Pretty solid. Um, all right, not my next card on my list is Simic Charm. Um, 
Yeah, I like Simic Charm. I think it's better <laughs> than you think it is. Simic Charm is that card for me of all of the charms, right? That's because you only like playing decks that you make a 1-1 that eventually maybe becomes a 3-2, and then you don't play any <laughs> other good cards, but because you're protecting it, sometimes kills your opponent? Um, Kind of. I don't. So the best charm by far is Boros Charm, right? That's yep. the one that's seen the most play. You know what's cool? Yeah. Uh, we this time aren't saying that that's not true. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We, we made that mistake we, yesterday. Yeah. Nice. Thanks for ratting me out. Um, Boros you said Charm it was. Like, is it Charm? Because we forgot Boros Charm yeah. existed. Is it Charm's second best? And then you have a, a, a smattering of some of the others that have seen play. Um, but I would say. I think it's. I think it goes like having now paid attention to it after we, the fluff uh, or the the mistake. Boros is it. Uh, the Jund one, so Golgari and uh, Rakdos. Rakdos, and then probably Azoria. No, Orzhov Charm for sure. Orzhov Charm, then yeah. Yeah, yeah, because those other two have both been sideboard cards. Yeah, the, I was actually yeah, they, thinking about they've seen All of the first four have seen significant play in Modern. I played, all the remaining ones really haven't. I played my Young Pyromancer Gutter Snipe Retrace deck last night, by the way, in like a Modern event. Okay. And this is two weeks later, so you guys have probably all heard about it. But um, I had my brilliant new ideas that in game two, I don't want to be so graveyard dependent on my life from the Loam Engine. So mm -hmm. I want to play Sprout Swarm. I want to play Sprout Swarm. I'm about it. Uh, and I was thinking Golgari Charm is a really solid sideboard card for this deck because there's so much enchantment hate that ruins this deck, mm -hmm. right? All the ley lines that prevent targeting and graveyards and rest in pieces and all this stuff. I was thinking Golgari Charm is great there, but it also saves my tokens because of the regenerate ability. So I think actually Golgari Charm is probably a three of in the sideboard. It seems pretty strong. Three of? Well, I was just trying to think what's the best thing I can be doing, and that just feels like... Because its first ability is bad with Sprouting Swarm. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't want to do minus one, minus one. So but you're just playing it for naturalize? I feel like no, there's better naturalize. Well, I'm playing, I'm playing four play. grudge, because, like, obviously, I'm a graveyard deck. Sure. So then I need enchantment hate. And this is a good enchantment hate card that also saves my very, very minimal number of creatures, and especially saves my tokens. Sure. So, yeah, just a thought. But anyway, yeah. um, I think with Simic Charm, the card we're actually talking about, the, the reason I like this card is that it always feels like the abilities you're paying for, and this is how drums should be designed, you're playing slightly more for abilities that I find to be high impact enough. So, like, for instance, uh, Unsummon is high impact enough in the right situations. You would never want to pay two mana for Unsummon, but the fact that you have that ability is fine. A one mana version of it that also makes your opponent lose a life sees almost no play. Sees a little bit of play. Sees a little bit um, of play. Uh, giant Growth for, two, for one mana is, like, not, again, not good enough to see play, but, like, it's basically a three damage burn spell in a lot of decks, so like fine, not the biggest problem. And if I if I want to push through the damage for two mana, I'm okay with it. And finally, two mana for a counter spell, which is eventually that that's ultimately what giving your permanence hexproof is, is something. Like people play two mana counter spells in modern. But again, one mana counter spells like spell pierce and dispel are more of the version of the card we're talking about. So they're all cards that should cost one that have to cost two here. But you're getting that versatility, and all of them feel like they're they're uh, designed for main deck play, which is the difference between this and some of the other charms you mentioned. Mm -hmm. A lot of those other charms feel like they're designed for sideboards. This card is made to be a main deck card. Like it's it's a good enough, it's a good enough suite of utility uh, abilities. So so if the bounce spell doesn't seem to be great in the format, it's fine. It's fine. But I mean, vines of the vastwood does what this card does but both at the same time for two green mana instead of blue and green, which we've also discussed has problems as a color combination. Yes. Why play this card? <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was your number six? That was my number one, two, three, four, five. That was my five. 
Oh, because Kiora's follower is your number six. I did this to the elements. Right. Exactly. My number five is Bounding Crassus. Oh, yeah. All right. Three mana flash. It's my number four. Okay. So blue, green, colorless, three mana. Yep. For a 3 3. Flash, when it enters the battlefield, tap or untap a permanent. It is. Pestermite, it is Deceiver Exarch. It is yep. goes infinite with Kiki Jiki dot blue green creature. Uh, it's better at beating down than uh, Zebra Exarch for sure. And it is beefier than uh, Pestermite, though Pestermite does have evasion. So you're kind of making that decision split there. Um, this kind of goes, you know, goes infinite with Kiki Jiki. People played this card once in a while when there was Rug, Splinter Twin. It was a Splinter Twin card, so it has a history of modern. At any moment, they could be a Rug Kiki Jiki deck. The fact that this is available is just something that is possible to see play. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, this is a, a definitely a higher impact card, as you said, like a 2-1 flyer and a 1-4 in twin. Uh, those were like parts of the deck, but they were they were not cards that you would... Well, actually, you, you would find yourself winning with a 2-1 flyer sometimes, but the 1-4, it was way more of a blocker. No, oh, I mean, the, 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 the backup tempo beatdown plan with Pester... Uh with Pestermite. Pestermite. Yeah. Totally a thing. And like, yeah, I, I just think a 3-3 three, three for 3 that has a, a piece of interaction attached to it is solid to have. So I like this card. I've always liked this card. Um, you know, definitely a fan of it. I think it has real practical app- real practical application in modern. And, um, you know, not the, not the cream of the crop, but like you said, half of a combo. I mean, this and... There's like how many how many cards are there that are not like you know the Splinter Twin and Kiki or Splinter Twin and Deceiver Exarch that are like people have talked about. There was Combat Celebrant, there was Village Bell Ringer, there was this one. I mean the real the good ones Felidar, are Guardian, there's Restoration Angel, Restoration Angel is like the good one that's in white. Yeah. Uh, there's the red mono red one because like when you looked at there used to be the decks. That the the Kiki Pod decks and yeah. they had all of them at different converted mana costs so that you'd be able to find them whenever you want. So right. Restoration Angel, you'd have Kiki Jiki, you'd have uh, Zealous Conscripts, you'd have Pestermite or Deceiver. I think it had Deceiver Exarch because you could untap per, yep. uh, a Birthing Pod with it and or tap your opponent's stuff. And yeah, so you go through that in the list. But um, this is a beater down one. It goes in blue green. I can see it seeing play. I can see it not seeing play. Yeah. If you wanted to do more of a beatdown one and instead of playing Deceiver Exarch, play this with Pestermite, then that's, I think, where the best chance this has of seeing play. For sure. Um, all right, so your number four is done, too, because you did the same thing. That was thing. my number four. So my number four is your favorite card, Lumbering Falls. Sick. Lumbering uh, Falls. This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, A, I think just in general, all man lands are good. Uh even if you think this is a not powerful man land, this is still better than most cards, period, especially on our lists. <laughs> I think that the fact that this doesn't have a deck that has had a good home for it, but I think a a Saltai deck has a real reason to play this. We talked about yeah, how to make Saltai I mean, good. Man lands are good. There's nobody's It's between that. this and Creeping Tarpet and a Saltai deck that's going against a format with heavy amounts of Jund or Grixis Control where like Lightning Bolts and Fatal Pushes are everywhere. This card has a much higher potential of being a better card in that deck because you're... That is the best deck. That's not the best color combination, but blue and black together are very good at keeping stuff off the battlefield. Right. So with those as backup and this card beating down, there's no way for your opponent to interact with it. And it's really good in decks that want to be really creature light. So if you don't want to have creature threats to kind of turn off their creature removal, this is so much better than a card like Creeping Tarpit because that turns their creature removal on. If you just want to blank every every uh, Fatal Push in their deck, this is the way to go about it. And that, I think, is a really, really important factor. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with what you're saying, which is, con- is that control doesn't really care about blockers because in theory you'll have ended, you'll have 
traded for all of their resources by the time you're bothering to attack with this. Right. So, the, so it being a three-three versus a three-one doesn't matter. The fact that it costs five does to, with the attack itself kind of doesn't matter. It's just a question of the, the the colors don't exist for it. I just just for me, the fact that this can get blocked so easily and killed by so many threats is the problem. And I just it's just too yeah, expensive. I just I- wish it cost one less to activate. Even it's, if it was a 2-3, not a 3-3, three, three, but it only costs 3 to activate, I would be happier. Like, what if you're playing a teamer deck that literally... I mean, the problem is you're playing green. So, like, if you're playing a green deck, you're generally not trying to turn people's removal off. But if there becomes a reason to play a green-blue-based deck with red or black where you don't want their creature removal to be turned on, you want it so that every fatal push that they draw is a dead card, right. giving you a higher chance of out-resourcing them, this is the best man land to have. Because it doesn't die to Fatal Push. And that's a big deal to me. That puts it pretty high on my list. Yeah, it's true. Uh, um, what's your number four? My number four is... Bounding Crisis. What's yes. your number three? Nissa Steward of the Elements. Oh. Uh, all right, guys. Let's talk Nissa Steward of the Elements. Let's talk all the reasons I love this card. Just going to go to yeah. Facebook while you... <laughs> uh, this card's super sweet. I, I love the idea that you can, once again, as per usual, with the zero ability, take advantage of powerful creatures that have low casting costs and are difficult to cast normally so mere superior <laughs> being the classic that if this is at two and you know that it's on the top of your library because you've set it up somehow you zero this and just put superior in play um you could do the same with scab ruinator which is another card that fits into that same strategy uh which i like i think that's really cool um are i you, are you going to be doing superior burning blue coco i have the list in my phone i tried building it's bad it's not really good there, I, if there was one more creature that had a similar drawback that cost two or three mana that I could I could get away with, I would do it. The, the version of this that I was trying to put together yesterday was um, a Magus of the Vineyard deck. You know how much I want to make that card work. So those of you that don't remember, it's one green for a 1-1. One, one. At the beginning of each <laughs> player's main phase, that player adds... Uh, that player adds green green to their mana pool. Mm-hmm. So the problem with this card is if you play it on turn one, your your opponent ramps to three on turn one before you ever get to use it. So if they're like, I'll just uh, you know use your green green to cast Tarmogoyf and fatal push your creature, you're like, oh sweet, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll just go to turn two now. I mean, luckily Tarmogoyf is worse now. Yeah. So that's a win for you. Yeah. I mean, the the reality of it is that there's a bunch of decks in the format that you would play this on turn one against and would not do anything with it. So sure. like Storm not going to do anything with green green like right. there's a lot of decks like that and, and that's one of the reasons that i made the argument that i think this deck is more interesting oh, than people wow. realize storm has things to do with green green but you mean manamorphos yeah yeah so they okay so they burn through some manamorphos or on or one. they play one ritual and then use the green man as a colorless source because it's colorless green man is a colorless source i would say if anything the deck that has the least to do with green green is uh uh death shadow grixis death shadow yeah yeah exactly grixis shadow That's i mean I, I still don't think that storm is going to kill you on the first time you pass this, these guys the whole point of this is that if you play this card right, on, your, on, the, on turn, on turn two, two they do go off and you're 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 mere superior and you cast doesn't do anything i'm the, I, the storm matchup Ignoring the store matchup, I'm not saying that there aren't decks out there that don't take advantage of the green green. I'm just saying that specific comment was not correct. This card's horrible. Everybody knows it. And I'm talking <laughs> about Nissa right now. But the, the whole point is that I've been trying to play this card. And my thought was that on turn two, this guy casts Mirror Superior because he makes green green for mm-hmm. you, which is great. But also with Court of Calling, this guy creates two green and taps himself as part of Convoke, which means you can get a two drop on turn two into play from your deck. So it actually ends up being kind of a little bit like you had with... Um, 
with Green Sun Zenith, but better because mm -hmm. you are right, with this card. And it, so it actually means you can get Mirror Superior into play on turn two from your deck using a Court of Calling. Uh, or you can cast uh, Collected Company on turn two. So all of those things make this card more interesting. Anyway, that's not why I'm talking about Nissa. I think Nissa's sweet. I think Nissa's fun. I think it has a lot of really powerful applications. And if you play it in a big mana deck, I, I think there's just a lot of places to, to experiment with this card. And I expect that this will be... If I had to wager on what's going to push blue-green uh, into like a prominent deck, this would be one of the, my good bets for that. Nissa? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with sure. that. Uh, other than my number three, which I think has a higher chance of making a secondary blue-green deck. Okay. Rogue Refiner. Oh, yeah, we already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think I think Energy just has the potential to be really good. I mean, there's a card that shoots Emeralds into play. We had an entire episode about cards that have been banned in Standard and why... How powerful should they be in modern? And I think all of them have the potential to be that. Yep. Rogue Refiner included. Uh, this card can come into play, make energy, draw you a card, be a beater that they have to deal with. Like the energy decks play in a way that's similar to how Birthing Pod used to or how Splinter Twin used to that I love, which is, oh God, I have to stop you from just beating me down. Oh, you win. So right. like you have like the, the the I'm getting you from two different angles. You're gonna you're gonna dodge my right hook, but then I'm gonna hit you with the left jab, like kind of gameplay style that has classically been the best thing to do in modern. By almost of all of the non I have broken the game in a way that I shouldn't have best decks that have been banned, Splinter Twins, the birthing pods, all have needed to be banned because they attack the format from two different places, and energy has the potential to do that pretty easily. Uh, being able to just play really good efficient threats and removal spells while also once in a while cheating an Emrakul in the play seems like a pretty pretty decent place to be at. Totally. Um, yeah, that's where a Rogue Refiner is. I think just energy has the potential to be good. So that's your number three? Uh, yeah, and I think our number two, which I actually think would work in that energy deck, thinking about it, yeah. uh, and our number one are the exact same, so number two is the same as mine, right? We did this already. Did you I not change? You didn't change? I think so. This? Yeah. Prime speakers are gone, right? Yeah. No. Number two, <laughs> cheat stuff in the play, sees play in, scape shift decks everywhere. Bring to light. Bring to light. Yeah, this card's good. Uh, this card was one of the early versions of Post Twin Twin. I remember Jerry Thompson doing a streaming video with this card where you could get Kiki Jiki with it in a five color deck. Sure. Um, it's good. This card's totally good. It like I, you, I mean, Scape Shift. It's one of the best tutors in the format because it puts it in the play. Yeah. I think that it's Instant interesting to me. This would be your creature. I think I would probably put this in my at my seventh slot at best in any other color combination we're going to do yeah but because of blue greens lack of power level this like literally the last two cards are the only two cards that have a deck that they actually belong in um that has won tournaments like like this belongs in rug scapeshift decks that that is a deck that has existed in modern for a long time it's not that powerful right now because red green ones are better but this is the card that makes that deck even possible it replaced you know uh what's the delf card that i'm just blinked on Oh, card you just blanked on. The tutor one. Not oh, oh, dig through time? Dig through time. Thank you. Uh, replace dig through time in those decks. It's fine. It's not amazing, um, but it is definitely one of the reasons that deck still works. And yeah, bring the light. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, what's funny about this card is that you try to think of how could you cost five to get the most value out of it. And people don't like to play things that cost five in modern very much, usually. Mm -hmm. So it's funny because this card is restrictive in the sense that you can't cheat the mana cost because the mana cost is the point. <laughs> so, yes. so if you had like a mana reducer, for instance. But ramp works. I mean, like that's and that's why Escape Shift decks have played it. I, I think yeah, it's also totally. modern likes to play five drops in two situations. One is 
as a sideboard card against decks that can't answer, that are a little bit grindier and have a trouble answering that thing. So like the Kyranos is back in the day, or Sigarda, or Thrag Tusk, where this comes down and they're like, oh, I have, how do I deal with this? It's really resistant to the ways I generally deal with threats. Or they win the game immediately. Yep. Uh, and this does that. This wins the game immediately because you go find Scapeshift to cast it and you have more than six lands in play and you win. Yep. So yeah. Um, number one. So number one. Uh, so <laughs> I am actually very proud that we were able to record this episode in time twice to allow this twice. card to make it under our preview card for this episode, which is better than every other card on this list, including this one. But number one, it's, it's hard to its hold way on to our list. Slippery Noggle. Slippery, <laughs> slippery Noggle. Uh, it would be Slippery Boggle. It is a blue and green for 1-1 one, one Hexproof. Uh, blue or green, not blue and a green. Yes, blue, blue or green. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a one-one for one that has hybrid expert. card. It's cards in the. It's in the Noggles deck. It's literally the only Noggle in Noggles. It's not even creature type Noggles. It just is in the Noggle deck. Yeah, if, if you look at the picture, it's a wild piece of artwork. It looks like it's a. He's like some sort of little creature. It looks like he's holding, you know, like some some sort of brain. It's just, it's just an island with grass on it. No, no, look at it. Can't you see? It looks like a brain. It looks like it's like some sort of like weird post-apocalyptic creature with like a green. He's kind of balding in the middle, but he's got he's spiked up his two sides of hair. It's like a little island in a river with green, green, green grass coming out. Fair. This thing is clocks in it's at a buck sixty-three, huh? Yeah. Does, has it ever been reprinted? I think it has. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it but has. I don't think it has. It's also the key card in, wow. in in the Boggle deck. A common from ten years ago, nine years ago, that's never sent a reprint is worth a dollar sixty three, even though it's one of the premier cards in like an actual competitive deck. If, if Boggles won a GP, it would it would jump up. It would spike. I don't. Uh, yeah, it would to definitely like four spike. Bucks. Yeah, or I could get to nine. I played against this guy last night. He Scrib Ranger was my MVP. I he he suited up. He suited up a slippery boggle with like everything, and then I drew Scrib Ranger and flashed it in. And he didn't have Rancor; but he had Daybreak Coronet, all the oh. other things. And uh, uh, Scrib Ranger has Pro Blue, so I just like would block every turn. And then I like finally drew, I finally drew Gutter Snipe, and I like played it. And so then I would attack him for one on my turn, right? Um, would attack him for one on my turn with slippery boggle because he couldn't block it. Then I would return a forest to my hand to untap him so that he could then block. And then discard the forest to retrace uh, Flame Jab and get three damage out of my Gutter Snipe. So I was doing four damage a turn to him. Okay. And I closed out the game. Nice. It was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. I like, <laughs> I'll, uh, uh, we'll eventually talk about that deck. I like it. I think it's the next. Uh, the next Superior Burning Coco? The Cocoa? next Superior Burning Coco. <laughs> it's, it's way better than the Flash Deck deck. Flashback uh, deck. We'll see about that. <laughs> the Flash Dak deck. Flash deck deck. You know what happened to that guy? That guy. Dak? Yep. Squished by an ATAT. He felt like he could take on the whole Empire. Uh, empire by himself. Yeah, but he couldn't. No. Nope. See, then he Luke was, didn't even really save him. He was then reincarnated as the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So <laughs> uh yes, yeah, uh, I just it's so I'm very happy that Slippery Boggle was able to accomplish being the top top of a top ten list. It, would, do you think this is the worst card in that's ever going to appear as number one on a top ten list? Probably. This this card has zero practical application in any deck ever built aside from exactly the one deck that it's good in. Yeah. And it's the namesake of. Yeah. It's kind of like Lantern of Insight. Like Lantern of Insight is a bad card other than the fact that it's... never make a top 10 artifacts list. No. But it's it, an entire deck is named after it because it's the one... It is the best at what it does. And it's the only one that does what we it does. We should have a top 10. We should do a top 10 irrelevant... 
but except for the one deck that it's the most relevant piece yeah, of we should have cards. Like, we should have a top ten. I feel like even then these don't like I think Mishra's Bobble is the best. Top ten irrelevant deck. top ten irrelevant cards to ever be in a winning GP deck. Yeah. This wouldn't be on there because it's never won a GP. That's true. But there's some Poor sweet bad boggle. cards that have won that GP titles just slipped through its fingers. We should look up some like I'll, I wouldn't be surprised if Raven's Crime was on that list. That won Raven's Crime's ever won a GP. It did. Won the first GP. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it did. That was like back in the era where like the Wikipedia page yeah. for modern that listed all of the like decks that are good in the format. Uh the like X spell that everyone sacks things. Right. Killing uh, Wave? Uh, not killing wave, but the wa- it's a wave thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. Was like the this format known for its zoo decks and this, and it was like <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a player play that card. <laughs> I don't even know what the card's called because it's that irrelevant. Um, but yeah, so slippery boggle made it to the top. Um, we're because we did the preview card, we're not, and this, all of these cards are bad. We're gonna instead of doing like the normal honorable mentions battle, uh, we are each gonna pick our two honorable mentions. I have two of them. That's it. Mm, what uh, do I got? Oh, I don't even have the list open I can give anymore. you mine, too, while you look yours up, because uh, I kind of jumped that on them. The first one I have is Cold Eye Selkie. Oh, yeah. Cold Eye uh, Selkie's good. It's a sweet card. It draws cards equal to how big it is, and it has Island Walk. I like Cold it's Eye a hybrid blue-green, and the hybrid cards are probably the better cards because ab- they're really blue cards. Yeah, because they're really blue cards. Uh, what about... Or um, really green cards. What about... Uh, I don't have it in front of me, and I can't remember what it was called. The thing, the Gilder Baron. Aha. Gilder Baron. Yeah, yeah. He's a uh, the he's, better Veril, whatever. Yeah, he puts uh, he untaps. What an outrageously complicated, un, uh, uncommon. It's he, like it's like blue untaps green, blue green to do one a single. Like everything gets a counter. He's got he's blue green blue green one for like I think a one three that his ability is like uh, blue green two untap symbol to like take put another counter on something that has a counter. But is it all things or one thing? One thing. Oh, it's not even <laughs> proliferate. No. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure Gilder Baron is... But it's an oof, right? I believe it is. And, then, and it is the motivation to do the top five oofs that you did three days ago. Well, it's not even going to be a question. Because Gilder Baron would be number two, but Spellwild Oof would be one. And they're both cards I love. I have a thing for oofs. What are Kitchen Finks? Uh, oh, shoot. Are Kitchen Finks oofs? I think you're dead right. There's no way they're... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kitchen Finks are oofs. <laughs> <laughs> Best oof. Kitchen Finks. Oh, yeah, Dusk Urchins is sweet. That card's really good. Um, all right, moving all right, on. Uh, my second one is Biovisionary. <laughs> oh, yeah, I had a Biovisionary deck. We got to talk about this yesterday. This yep. is exciting. Uh, it's uh, it, it's If you have four cards in play named Biovisionary, you win. The card says you win. How's yeah. it going to lose? <laughs> I, I had... A, Biovisionary deck at one point that I tried building, and it was um, it was a fairies deck that would play the wizard tutor Vidalcan Aether Mage and Mirror Weave, and the idea was that you could have uh, Scion of Una, right? So enough creatures that you could then like Mirror Weave your Scion, and then everybody's creatures would be Scion of Unas, but in theory you have more creatures than them, so you'd punch through for you know eighteen or something, um, or of course. You could mirror weave your biovisionary, and everybody's creatures become biovisionaries. But as long as you do it at the right moment, they don't win instead of you. Yeah, you because that's would how win. the stack works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is wait, is mirror weave instant or sorcery? Instant. Oh, you can do it on their turn, and then yeah, you win. Exactly. Okay, that's the point. That's okay, but then they have like five creatures, which means you've lost because you're playing biovisionary. 
sick. <laughs> uh, no, this card's cool. There's just there's so many clones and things like Mirror Weave where there's just ways you might win with it that I thought it's a really fun honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, it's surprising that I believe blue and green are the two best colors in Magic history, and blue and green are by far the worst colors in Modern. Yeah, I would say my other uh, my other honorable mention that I'll throw out here is probably got to be the... Plax caster frogling oh yeah i love that card yeah i mean it's like right on the verge of being good um or or we, we could say dragon predator but i already we talked about it um i i think uh plax caster frogling it's a three three for three it has graft so it comes into play with three plus one plus one counters graft states that when another creature enters the battlefield under your control you can move a counter over to it and for two mana you can make any creature with a plus one plus one counter uh shroud which actually means that if you can untap with this card in the right deck it becomes a very useful tool and it's a really good tempo card, but the problem is that it's a three-mana card in Modern that doesn't do anything when it enters the battlefield, and it's very difficult to win in a tempo game if you play three-mana creatures that don't do anything. So, that's a problem. Yeah. But, I mean, I think this card's sick. Yeah. Like, I blue-green has done fun stuff with plus one plus one counters to the point that I think that this card, that playing this card in, like, an Evolve deck seems, like, pretty good. I think, I think it's a five-drop in the long run. A five-drop that lets you hold up Mana Leak, like is a card that theoretically one day I could see play. I, I, I think it's a card that it would be my 11th. I think it probably could, if enough cards that make it better could beat Simic Charm out of my list, I could get rid of Simic Charm. I don't love it. Yeah, I could see playing, like, I could easily see playing I don't think it'll deck. ever beat Mystic Snake, but no. I can see Simic Charm getting kicked off the list. Simic Charm's sick. <laughs> uh, all right all guys right. that's gonna wrap us up that is the top 10 simic cards of all time we hope you enjoyed our uh, our number one card that is better than all the cards that we just talked yeah, about yeah the pre our preview card <laughs> is significantly better than any card on this list and it like it's gonna change modern it's gonna be a, i don't know if it'll change modern oh i think i think not in the sense that it's gonna introduce a new deck but i just think that it's blue green merfolk is gonna hey, become Mer merfolk this has the potential to make blue-green Merfolk better than it is. But I don't think Merfolk has ever been bad, and I don't think it makes Merfolk good enough to be the best deck in the format. It just might... It, it makes it from a... At best, I think it goes from two tier 2 to tier 1.5. And I think Merfolk is, like, already always somewhere in that range. I think this pushes... I think this card pushes Merfolk into... The tier 1? Very clearly tier 1. Yeah. It, think, about, think about what this deck has and how much better it is than what any other I guess it, creature deck has in terms it, of redundancy. My, 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 my question is, is, does it actually need 12 lords? And and we'll find out, and it might not, but it might. So we're, we'll, we'll definitely find out as time goes on. And and is it is that what the deck needed to become tier one? Was a, a 12th, you know, four more two mana lords? And it totally could be that. Not saying it can't. But I also think it might just be a little bit too redundant, and it wants more of the, the things that are making it prob have trouble becoming tier one aren't the lack of lords it's the lack of merfolk with etbs that let them win the game or what, whatever what have you yeah maybe i just <laughs> I, I also think like the amount of the time that with a with an aether vial on turn three you're gonna have three lords in play is very high yeah and, and, you, like, and now you have the beefy threats on one like i think there's a really really aggressive merfolk deck that exists that's gonna be cool I'm like excited. three having three five fives or no it's other so three were, four yeah fours. you were trying to get me to like can, like be okay with Wall of Omens a hot second ago, and I was like, every major deck either goes over, through, around, and Murpho goes under, and just, just another thing that helps do that. I love so, Wall of Omens. Uh, thanks everybody. Thanks for the coast. The preview card is awesome. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, opening up this year, 2018, with another super you know sweet card. super sweet card opening up. We opened up 2017 with Fatal Push. Um, definitely, you know, really exciting. 
Uh, we're looking forward to you guys listening this year. Uh, make sure to follow us on Facebook uh, at the Facebook group and the Facebook page. Facebook group is like crazy awesome. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. We are at the MM Cast. Make sure to check out Super Party Battle. It's really fun. Uh, literally, while well, the, the the messages we were getting that you might have heard was uh, Jason Alt from uh, Brainstorm Brewery actually got to uh, got a copy. I sent him one, and he was playing it and was telling us how sweet it is. So definitely check it out. It's awesome. There are some typos, which is going to kill me forever. But otherwise, it's awesome. And if you can find the typos, we'll shout you out on Twitter. Uh, so thanks so much for listening, guys. Make sure to check out the Patreon. Make sure to check out Anchor. Uh, and uh, go back to the episodes that Ben did that we mentioned this this in this episode. Do so because since we record this before he did them, he now has to. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye, talk guys. Talk to you guys. We'll talk to you guys in 2018. See you guys next year.